I want to call your attention now to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, and we want to consider verse 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ on a mountain top in Galilee 2,000 years ago. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word to our hearts. We see these several statements at the opening of this familiar chapter of Holy Scripture with the word blessed. Truly blissful. And as far as etymology is concerned in our English language, our word blissful is closely related to the word blessed. In the Greek language, the word here means happy, but happy in a profound sense, what we might call joy, which is not just fluctuating, but a permanent state. The word fortunate might be a valid translation. And we see the Lord gives these surprising paradoxes here in these short, concise statements. We have seen, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. These are words from Christ that are paradoxical. They sound contradictory. The poor in spirit are the ones who are happy. The ones who mourn are the ones who are happy. Well, in a spiritual sense, it is so. And we come today to this third statement. Blessed are the meek. Happy, fortunate are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What is meekness? When we use the word meek in our common language and speech, we're thinking of something different than what Jesus is thinking about and talking about. There is natural meekness and there is spiritual meekness. Natural meekness is to be timid, mild-mannered, easygoing, maybe shy and introverted, reserved, quiet, perhaps indecisive, non-assertive, non-confrontational. And some people are born with that temperament. Just as certainly as some are born the opposite. 
Some are born extroverted, outgoing, talkative, bold, assertive, confrontational, short-fused. But both types are equally lost in their sins. Both, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you are spiritually unhappy apart from the saving grace of God. Both types of personalities, all types of personalities, need deliverance from sin, need salvation in Jesus Christ. And the Lord isn't talking about this natural meekness that some people are born with and some people aren't. He's talking about something much more profound and something that is supernatural. Something that is wrought in the soul by God. Spiritual meekness. And what is it? Spiritual meekness is to be submitted to God. To be surrendered to his will. To recognize our need of him and to recognize our absolute dependence upon him. Spiritual meekness means that we want God to have his way. We do not resist his will. We surrender our will to his will. That's the meekness that Jesus is talking about here. And it has nothing to do with natural temperament. Whether you're a type A person or a type B or C, or I don't know how many types you know, there are, there, but we'll just say extroverts or introverts all need to be spiritually meek before God and seek his glory above our own glory. All that matters is His honor, His name, His fame, His glory. This spiritual meekness is a disposition wrought in the soul by the Spirit of God. It's nothing that any one of us has by birth. It's what we only have by new birth, by regeneration. It's a disposition of soul wrought by the Spirit of God in those that he saves, whether they be naturally timid or naturally aggressive. Spiritual meekness is a humble spirit before God. Not demanding anything from him, but trusting in him. Distrusting self. Renouncing all of self. And resting upon him. These are the ones that Jesus says are happy. Now, as with all of these Beatitudes, as they're called, 
especially these first ones, this teaching runs counter to the way we naturally think. The world around us, and those who observe it and comment upon it and are philosophers in it, all agree that the happy person is one who is bold, who gets his way, who will not be denied, who is, is a leader rather than a follower. Those are the ones who are happy. The movers and shakers, the self-made man, they are the ones who are lauded and who are uh, celebrated. I'd rather be a hammer than a nail. <laughs> That's the attitude of natural man. Meekness, humility is despised especially in the Greek culture and the Roman culture, humility and meekness were considered as vices, not as virtues. Meekness was weakness, and weakness was despised. The world says, assert yourself. Stand up for your rights. If someone does you wrong, get even. Pay back, and pay back with interest. If you don't stand up for yourself, nobody else will. And so the world admires natural boldness and despises natural meekness. But the world also despises even more the spiritual meekness that we're talking about here today being humbled before god is a despised attitude and disposition man in his proud sinful heart refuses to grovel to man on earth or to god in heaven i'm not going to bow before a fellow man, and I'm not going to bow before God in heaven. That's how we naturally think. We may not want to outright admit it, and we may disguise it, but that's the attitude of our hearts naturally. I think it's expressed quite sadly in this familiar poem by a man named William Ernest Henley. He wrote this poem, Invictus, the night before he was to have an arm amputated, I think it was, or a leg. And he talks about how that though he is, his head is bloody, it is still unbowed. I don't bow to anybody, he says. I don't bow to man. I don't bow to God. It matters not how straight the gate. You see, he's taking biblical language from right here in Matthew chapter 7 and mocking the one who said it. 
It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. I'm not meek before anybody. Well, that's the attitude generally of natural man. Are these kinds of people really the happy ones? Just think about that for a moment. The, the aggressive, combative types fight and scrap their way to the top of their profession or the top of their world, whatever it may consist of. And are they really happy after all? Do they find peace and joy and contentment? You just read the newspapers and you see how utterly unhappy, disappointed, never enough. Their own lives are a shambles and they, they drug themselves and drink themselves to death so often. We should also add this. This teaching by our Lord runs counter to our natural thought in this way. His message was not a social gospel or as it has come to be called in more recent years, a social justice gospel. When Jesus says, blessed are the meek, he isn't saying, I've come into this world to help the underdog, the underprivileged, the disadvantaged, the trodden over, the overlooked and oppressed and exploited. I've come to lift them up and to get them their fair share. The gospel of Jesus Christ does everything but that. Those who become his disciples are the ones who become the underdogs, those who are exploited, those who are oppressed and persecuted and hated. We'll see more of that even in some of these Beatitudes. The gospel doesn't deliver us from injustice. It actually delivers us to injustice on this earth, brings on trouble and persecution by those who hate God and his truth. The message of Christ here is those who are humbled before God are those who are truly happy. Let's pursue this meekness a bit further here. The term is used in several places in the New Testament and derivatives of this term. It is a fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, we read the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. These are things that the Spirit of God works in the soul. This is the fruit that the indwelling Spirit bears in the life of a believer. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and 
Meekness is number eight in the list. Meekness and temperance. It is not a fruit that occurs naturally. It is a fruit that occurs by the Holy Spirit working in us. Meekness is part of our whole walk with Christ. Paul writes to the Ephesians, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation or the calling wherewith you're called with all lowliness and meekness. It is part of the new man that by God's grace we put on Colossians 3, put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved. And there's a list of virtues there. One of them is meekness. What the world considered a vice, Christ considers a grace and a virtue. And Paul exhorts Titus to instruct those in his assembly to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Now, as we said a moment ago, meekness is especially toward God. It is a humble acknowledgement of Him as supreme authority over us, the one who is the disposer of all things. We come under his authority. We are not in competition with his authority. We recognize that he has the right to do with us whatever he pleases. And he would be right to cast me into the lake of fire forever because of my sins against him. The meek soul recognizes God's authority and God's right. The meek soul comes to agree with God in his case against you. God is right. I am wrong. I have no rights before divine justice as a sinful creature. That is spiritual meekness before God. To be defenseless before Him. To make no argument. But to plead guilty. This meekness also has a dimension toward our fellow man. And again, it is not anything that is natural to us. This is the work of the Spirit within us. Instead of Steamrolling over others, the grace of God enables us to turn the other cheek. And we see the Lord teaching that in this very same sermon in verse 39. The grace of God gives meekness that enables us to sympathize with others. Even those who don't like us. Even those who hate us, we are able to love in the sense of seeking their best interest, loving neighbor as we love ourselves. We're enabled by the grace of meekness to be patient with the faults of others, 
because we recognize that we have our own faults. And we can forgive others because we have been forgiven by God. That is the grace of meekness in action. And beloved, do I need to say that this gracious, gentle disposition is indispensable in family life. For there to be a happy, peaceful home. This spiritual gift of meekness is essential. The the commands given to husbands more often than, or the command given to husbands more often than any other in the New Testament is, if I can paraphrase it this way, to be sweet. Not to be bitter, not to be angry, not to be impatient with the wife. So I would put all that together and and say it to be sweet. And the command most repeated for the wife with regard to marriage is to be submissive and to obey her husband. For the husband to be sweet and for the wife to be submissive, there must be the grace of meekness in the heart of both. And of course, this is essential not only in family life, but in church life. We all must come together in our church relationship with meekness, humility. A meek spirit is teachable, willing to be instructed, even willing to be corrected. It's one thing to sing a hymn that says something like, False and full of sin I am. But it's another thing when a concerned brother points out one of my sins with a view to helping me overcome it. And then what? (laughs) Am I ready to punch him in the nose or throw him out of my house? Or do I become defensive and say, well, who do you think you are? Let me, let me pull the, the speck out of your eye. A meek spirit is so essential in every relationship. A meek spirit is necessary to restore one who has been overcome with some sin. According to Galatians 6, 1, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. It could be you. Only the grace of God has kept it from being you in that position. Paul tells Timothy, in meekness instruct those that oppose themselves. Meekness is essential to a minister of the gospel. Paul writes to Timothy, But thou, O man of God, follow after. And there's a list of several graces there, and one of them is meekness.
to summarize all that I'm saying here, Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, a truly meek man no longer seeks to defend himself because he sees there's nothing worth defending. He's finished with himself and what others say about him. The meek man is slow to wrath, to use the terms of Scripture, not easily provoked, leaves vengeance in the hands of God, surrendered to his will. Well, let's hasten on here. What is the blessing that is given to these who are meek? They shall inherit the earth. The blessedness or the happiness of the meek is their inheritance. They're happy because they have a great inheritance. And the inheritance is the earth. It's everything. The wording here is no doubt taken from Psalm 37, where all of five times we read the meek will inherit the earth or the land. Verse 9, evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Notice the, the parallel there is waiting upon the Lord is parallel to meekness. Again in verse 11, the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Verse 22, for such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. Verse 29, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. And verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. <coughs> And many times there in Psalm 37, this inheritance is spoken of as an everlasting inheritance. It's not just a little of this earth now. It's, it's forever. Verse 18, their inheritance shall be forever. As children of God, by his saving grace, brought into his family, adopted as his children, we receive from our Heavenly Father an inheritance, and the inheritance is everything. It's the whole earth. And we should understand this in, in a present sense as well as a future sense. How, is, how, how do we inherit the earth presently? Well, I take the earth as being a, a way of saying everything, all things. And so listen to what the scriptures teach about all things. All things are yours. 1 Corinthians 3.21 Paul says, I have nothing and yet I possess all things. 2 Corinthians 
The living God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Paul says to Timothy. And consider Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. The all things of, of Scripture are all in favor of the believer. God is working all things for our good. And so in that sense, we own all things. We possess all things. All things are ours. But there is, I say, a future dimension to this far beyond anything present. And that is the fullness of blessing in glory with Christ when we enter into his inheritance of glory that he shares with us as joint heirs. Co-heirs. And so he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? There it is again, but there it's in the context of the future glory. And in the book of Revelation we read, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Oh, what an inheritance from our heavenly Father to inherit all things. There's a new heaven and a new earth coming, and we will inherit it all. If we're meek. If the grace of God has wrought this grace in us in a saving way. Again, this is contrary to the way we naturally think. Man says, the meek are the losers. The meek end up with nothing. You've got to fight and fight for your inheritance. And only God knows how many family feuds have occurred over heirs fighting over the inheritance. The truth of God's word is the meek are the winners, not the losers. The meek end up with everything. They don't end up with nothing. They end up with everything. Heaven itself the glorious presence of Christ forever. And we let God choose our inheritance. Let Him choose your portion. That's the spirit of meekness that wins in the end. Christian meekness enables us to endure all afflictions for Christ's sake. Knowing that anything less than hell itself is a mercy from God. All is well that ends in heaven. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit, we might say, a new heaven and a new earth. John Huss in the year 1415, 
was awaiting the martyr's fire in prison when he wrote in a letter to a friend, God deigns kindly to look upon us and to endow us with his wondrous gifts. A narrow prison, hard bed, plain food, cruel boards, toothache, vomiting, and fever. There's a meek man. And Christian meekness enabled him to endure whatever his heavenly father had appointed for him. Knowing that it would only be temporary and that it would end in glory. Though the hymn had not yet been written, I think John Huss could have sung, Whate'er my God ordains is right. And so to him I leave it all. Oh, may God give us that kind of meekness. Let me say quickly a few words about how our Lord Jesus himself exemplified this beatitude. He described himself as meek. And this is about the only personal quality in himself to which he called attention. And he did it then only in order to make us imitate him and follow him in it. He says in Matthew 11, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. There was a meekness about him. He doesn't call us to be something that he himself was not. He didn't break a bruised reed or quench a smoking flax. On the day of his triumphal entry, there was fulfilled this prophecy. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek sitting upon an ass. Isaiah describes him again as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. There was a meekness while he was on trial. Paul appeals to the meekness of Christ in his exhortation to the Corinthians. I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness of And gentleness of Christ. Now, let me close with this. There is something that is assumed between the two clauses here. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We're not to misunderstand this and think that being meek will earn us or in any way merit Salvation and heaven. There is something not stated here. And I think 
perhaps the Lord states it as he does in these Beatitudes to provoke thought and to provoke the people who were listening to him and to provoke us today to further questions and to seek further understanding and insight, which is found in in all of the word of God. But what is assumed here, though not spoken, is that the meek soul Recognizing God's authority and surrendering to God's will. In the words of Romans chapter 10, submits to the righteousness of God. It is the ultimate act of meekness to renounce all self-righteousness and all self-merit. And to come as a beggar to Christ, seeking his righteousness. The ultimate act of meekness is to strip yourself of all pretended righteousness and receive from Christ the righteousness that is required by God for our salvation. There's nothing, beloved, nothing more humbling to the soul, nothing more self-denying to our natural pride than to submit to the righteousness of God, to submit to God's way of salvation, to agree to do nothing, and for Christ to do everything. That's the most humbling. It's the hardest. It's it's humanly impossible. Only the grace of God can bring us to that point because we all want to do something. We want to add. We want to contribute something. Our pride says, Christ can do some and I'll do some. and He'll get some credit and I'll get some credit. As long as we are thinking that way, we'll never be saved. Salvation comes only when we say, I can't do anything. And I need Jesus to do it all for me. That's the meekness that he's talking about here. This meekness comes to depend on Christ alone. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. I am nothing. Christ is all. Is that your attitude in your heart today? Do you come to Christ meekly, submitting to Him for righteousness, submitting to His Lordship in your life? This, my friends, is the way to happiness, true happiness, true blessedness, lasting joy. This... These are the ones who are truly fortunate. Who see themselves as nothing before God. And take their place alongside their fellow nothings. And find everything in Christ. And receive from him this inheritance. 
salvation now and salvation forever. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 